Well, it's good to see you all here today, and it's fun having everybody in the house. One of the things I always think about when we have, you know, the children on up to, uh, you know, people my age and older is how different our life experiences have been. Have you ever thought of that? You probably think of it from time to time. And I thought what we might do is just kind of, kind of do a little, kind of a survey. But, and some of these things will be familiar. But I remember the day that my son said, Dad, why do you always say, roll up the window? Because you used to have to use a crank like that and roll up the window. And all cars had that. But today, very few cars have that. And most people haven't seen that. And I said, well, you know, in Grandma's truck... She's got that thing, you roll. But then he said, but you don't really roll. Okay, you're right, you're right. He's right about that. But let me just ask, I'm just curious, how many of you have even seen one of these? How many of you have used one? Okay, see, you see all the hands that are not up? You know, I was looking at this. It's so funny because the the most advanced of those is the one on the right, as you recall. And uh, what I was reading, it, it, they hold something like one point, um, I think, four, is it megabytes or something? Yeah, meg. Now you can get a terabyte on a flash drive. Flash drive. I remember the first time, uh, it was actually Josh, it comes to church here, one of Nicole's cousins uh, married to Josh, and he was, we were here for Christmas, and he said, hey, you want to go, uh, go to Best Buy? I need to get a flash drive. I didn't know what it was, but I didn't want to let on it, I didn't know, you know. I wanted to be hip and cool and everything. I said, oh, yeah, sure. And so I was really anxious to see what he was talking about. And it was, I remember the one he bought was 256, you know, megabytes. Like, oh, my goodness, so different than today. Well, here's another thing. Um, how many of you have actually, well, someone just tell me, what is this? It's a library card catalog. Have any of you in the second row ever used the library card catalog? Except for Sam. I know Sam has. You have? Really? Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> How many of you know what this is? Now, some of you who are younger, you may not know this, but back in the day, TV actually went off air. There was no TV after a certain hour, and this is what you would see on your TV. Does anybody remember the sound it would make? And that's how your mom knew you were trying to watch TV at night, and she would say, turn that off. There's nothing on. Okay. How many have ever used one of these? They still have those? Yeah, that one's, that's an old one. Very well used. <clears throat> how many of you remember how frustrating it was when you got a VCH, or uh, yeah, tape, and it wasn't VHS tape, and it wasn't rewound? And then you had to rewind it, and you had to wait, like, how long? I mean, forever. How many of you actually bought one of those speed rewinders? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Some people had them. I remember seeing them and thinking, oh, that would be so nice to have that. How many know what this is? How many of you remember when the salesman would come door to door to sell these? I'll tell you, if somebody knocks on our door today, and most people don't even answer the door. They just hide. It's like, why would you answer the door right now? It's just weird. And then you talk to them, and I, I've talked to the salesman, whatever they're selling. I said, how many people actually answer the door today? I mean, very few people even answer the door. But back then, how many students have ever had these? <laughs> That's what I thought. How many know what this person's doing? <laughs> They're trying to use Google Maps. Is that what you said? Uh, actually, yeah, that would not be Google Maps. But um, yeah, that's how it used to be. That'd be the only way it could be done. All right. How many had this experience growing up? 
There was one phone. It was in the kitchen. And you, whoever you're going to talk to was right there. I remember when we got the long cord, and that was really cool. And I remember my sister wanted to talk to a boy, so she would try to get as far away from all of us as possible. But you can't get away. You just follow the cord to wherever she was at and make her, you know, make it awkward. Okay, um, how many know what that is? I, I appreciate Cody doing me a favor and getting this from my office. I have one of these. See that? Does anybody know what that is? I know it's a phone, but how many of you ever heard what these sound like? I remember, again, this is my office for a long time. I remember not, to, not everything's. Theo's not the only one who notices things, but in this case, Theo said, well, if you had to dial 911, that, why would they pick a number that's the farthest one? Do you remember how you used to call emergency back in the day? Just call the operator. No, none of our... <laughs> None of our kids have probably ever done that, but I want you to hear this at least. Just because the sound is. <laughs> it's just an old sound I love, but. Um, take a look at this. How many know what that is? Well, better than that. If you were going to connect your computer back in the day, does anybody remember what dial up was? You had to wait for everybody else in the house to be off the phone because it used the actual phone line, the only one you had, and it would sound like this. Remember this? Now you hear this in movies, you know, but, but none of you have ever had to do this. And wait, wait, wait. Oh, there it goes. Connected. All right, we're good. Carol knows what this is. How many, how, many, how many students know what this is, for real? It is a phone book, and that's what it looked like up close. You used to be able to find anybody's name just like that. Guess what they called this? The white pages. They're all like, really? Yeah, because they had yellow version, too, but this is the white. The yellow was for businesses. But, you know, with, with oh. <laughs> I know you know it's a typewriter. How many of you miss the sound of this thing? Listen to this for a minute. I just wanted you to hear this because listen to him crank it in. Remember that? Isn't that wild? We could keep watching this because it goes on one. <laughs> We're not going to. But having said all that, a lot of things have been reversed, and us who are older, we've got to catch up with, with some of the things that, that our younger people and kids, they just take for granted because they know better. I don't know how many times my father, um, <laughs> I would get a call, and he would say, I've got a virus. I don't understand why. I said, well, Dad, what did you click on? That's what the whole clickbait thing is about, because there's so many things they'll come and they'll say, oh, your accounts or whatever, or they've got so many ways to get you to try to entice you to do something. The funny thing is, the younger generation, they know better. They would never click on that stuff. For them, it's, it's not even a temptation. They're like, oh, that's dumb. That's clickbait. I would never click on that. Funny thing, too, about um, a lot of our students talk like this or have these little abbreviations. And for a lot of us, we don't even know what some of that means. What's funny, I was reading an article not too long ago. They said, the article said that you could tell the age of the person by what they text. So obviously, if you're texting something like that, you're probably younger, or you're just an older person who's caught up with the lingo. But they said the big thing is 
is that adults use proper grammar and, and punctuation in their texts, go to all that trouble. Then they said the other thing is that the older you are, the more inclined you might be to put a period at the end of a sentence, where younger people don't even think about doing that. You would never do that, never put that period on there. Okay, all of that is just silliness, really, but when it comes down to it, when I first heard this, this acronym right here, I, I, w- I didn't know what it meant. I mean, I know what the principle is, but I didn't know what the acronym was. I'd never used it before or heard it before. Someone who's, uh, let's just say, over 40, can you tell me what this is? Well, I know it's DTR. I got that. I can read that. Say again louder. Don't tell Roger. <laughs> so nobody over 40 knows what this is? But here's the thing. You do know what it is. It's just the acronym you may not be as familiar with. Okay, someone under 40, tell me what it says. Yeah, define the relationship. Duh. That's what they said. They said, duh, define the relationship. Yeah, everybody has to at some point define the relationship. We've all done it. Some of us did it on that phone attached to the wall in the kitchen. I... I remember this girl that I was kind of dating. I was, I, I don't remember. I was probably a sophomore, maybe young. I don't know. But I do remember this. I remember we were talking on that phone, and I never really enjoyed talking on the phone. It was awkward. You know, you're sitting there. And sometimes you'd sit down and be like, okay, okay, okay. And then she said the L word. I know. I know. She's, we're getting ready to hang up, and she said, love you. I'm like, Whoa. Because if I say that back, I'm defining the relationship, and it's like, well, I don't know, I don't know if we're there, right? You've got to figure out where you're at in this. That's what it's about. That's what defining the relationship is. It's, it's usually, you know, when you're dating, but you, you know you like them, you think they like you, but you're not sure how much they like you, because if you like them more than they like you, then, you know, it's, it's awkward, or it's imbalanced, or you're following them around, and you're not sure. And then everybody's asking you, so, what's going on? Are you guys like a thing? And you're like, uh, I think so. And then everybody's saying, no, I think you are. Oh, no, you are. Everybody knows you are. Like, but I don't know. I'm not sure. Then it gets really bad when your parents ask, right? Am I right? Don't you guys hate that? Yes. My own kids are like, yes. <laughs> but we want to know. We want to know. We want to define the relationship, too. You got to know where, where you're at and what's, what's expected and what's next and and you want to know, and, and again, everybody's asking. And, but here's the thing, it's not limited to dating. Because we all have relationships that need and you, you feel a need to define. Even kids, I mean, there's kids in here. And if you've ever watched kids play in a playground, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing to watch that human drama play out. And as a kid maybe comes to the playground, and maybe they're more, an out, uh, more of an outgoing kid, and they'll just insert themselves into other kids that are playing. And some kids play and they don't even talk to each other, but they end up having a great time because they just never communicated. But I've, I've, I've watched it. I've seen kids say, do you want to be my friend? Right? And, and I've, I, of course, I'm overthinking it. But as an adult, I'm thinking, what does that mean for that child? When they say, do you want to be my friend? What is inside their little head and what do they mean? Do they mean, are you going to play with me tomorrow? Do they mean, are you going to share with me? For some kids, you know how we are. I mean, some are very possessive, and it means you can only play with me. And then you watch them start playing, and they're like, no, 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 you can't play with her because you're playing with me. 
We all define the relationship. It doesn't, it's not just about dating. But I want to take it to a next step because this next step is what we're really here to talk about. And I want to know how many of you really define that relationship with God. Because you know that he has certain expectations for this relationship he wants with you. And you have expectations. Actually, I think for most of us, we have limitations. We, we only want him to be our friend so far. We want a relationship with him so far. Or these times, not every time. Or in certain situations, but not in every situation. For most of us, when he uses the L word, you're not sure you want to say it back. Because you know that when you do that, it means a, a level of commitment that deep down in your heart, or at least some place in you, you're not sure you're ready to give him that much. It can be really, really tough because he gave it all. He gave it all. I mean, he gave his son for you, for that relationship. That relationship was valuable enough to him that when he uses the L word, he means every part of that word. He means it in an active way, which means I choose to be in relationship with you and I want all of you back. He wants all of us. I want us to take one peek at one relationship that Jesus had with one person here on earth. And that one person is Peter. I have to be honest, Peter's my favorite of the disciples. And he's my favorite for so many reasons. He's such a a colorful figure in the New Testament. I mean, he does so many things that that we kind of laugh at. And so many things he does, you know, you kind of think, I know somebody like that. But if I'm honest, I also want to be like him in a lot of the things he does. So tell me about Peter. What kind of guy was he? Help me out. Fisherman, I heard that. What else? Impulsive is a good word. You might even say brash, aggressive, enthusiastic. What else? All in, stubborn. You, what did you say over here? Impulsive. Outspoken. Yes, you know people like that, right? He's the guy. If you think about him and Jesus in their relationship, he's the one. When Jesus was walking on water and... and And uh, John, I think it said, hey, it's the Lord. He says, if you're really the Lord, can I get out of the boat and walk with you, to you? No one else did that. I mean, we make fun of him for falling in the water a minute later. But I'll tell you, all the other guys stayed in the boat. He got out of the boat. He walked on water. You know, you always hear this about people say, oh, you think you're perfect? Why don't you try walking on water? Peter did it. All right. He did do it. He walked on water. That was Peter. You think about some of the other things Peter did. You know, yes, Yes, he that you think about a lot of the things about Peter we know is from those last few moments of Jesus life. And at the at the last supper, when Jesus said that you're all going to desert me, Peter's the one who said, no, everybody else might desert you. Not me. I would never, ever desert you. And Jesus said, actually, Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the cock crows. And yes, somebody shouted out, Peter's the one who, when they were arresting Jesus, he's the one who attacked the servant of the high priest and cut his ear off. So he probably wasn't a great swordsman, but still, he did do something. He didn't just stand there or run. And then, yes, he did deny Jesus three times. Yeah, we know that. And then before even that happened in the Garden of Gethsemane, it was Peter, James, and John who Jesus took closest, and they fell asleep on him three times. So he was that guy, too. I don't know if you can imagine this, but 
you've probably let a friend down here or there, right? Maybe somebody was counting on you and they really thought you would come through and you didn't. Maybe there's certain expectations and you were the one who you talked a big game, but you weren't there when they needed you. Or maybe that's happened to you. It's happened to all of us, right? At some point, somebody has failed us. And what do we do with that? I mean, how do we deal with that in our relationship? Because clearly that's not the relationship we want. You know, sometimes what we do is just walk away. We basically say, well, I'm not going to play with you anymore. I'm taking my toys and I'm going home. Right? Don't we do that? Every child in here has probably done that at one time or another. Or maybe your mom has snatched you away and said, oh, we're not playing with that kid anymore. If he's going to act like that, he's not your friend and we're not going to play. Or maybe you've been the parent that's talking to the, the, the son or daughter and just got their heart broken and you say to them, well, they're not good enough for you then. Right? Didn't you tell your kid that? And there's more fish in the sea and someone's going to love you the way you should be loved. Right? I wonder what Peter really felt like when he saw Jesus alive for the first time. You ever wonder that? Uh, okay, now this, I, I know I'm stretching and this isn't even in the Bible necessarily, but when Peter went to the tomb and saw that Jesus had risen from the dead, you know, the disciples were a little slow to believe all this. Because they saw him on trial, they saw him beaten, they saw him, you know, whipped, and they saw him die. And when they saw that, when Peter saw that he was risen, I'm sure Peter was excited, but do you think a little part of him might have been a little bit afraid to face his friend who he denied? I think so. I know he was ready to see him, but I bet you part of him was a little worried because in that relationship, the way had been defined. Jesus had already told him. He'd already told him, consider the cost of following me. And if you're not ready to follow, don't follow. At one point, a lot of people had left him because he said he was the light of the world and he said he was, he was the only way to heaven. He said, I'm the, the, the way, the truth, and the life. And some of the disciples left and he turned to his own disciples and he said, are you going to leave too? And Peter knew he was the one who said, no matter what anybody does, I will follow. And at the cross, the only one at the foot of the cross was John, not Peter. There had to be just a little hesitation, just a little nervousness for that first meeting. And we know that when Jesus did appear, he said to the disciples, or he said to the women, that women who saw him first, he said, tell the disciples and tell Peter. You see, for Jesus... His relationship and friendship with, with us, when he defines that relationship for him, it doesn't change. He will always be there for us. We're the ones that struggle with the definition of the relationship. We're the ones that don't understand how it works. You know what Peter needed? He needed a restart. He needed the ultimate restart on defining this relationship with Jesus. That's what he needed. He needed a restart in a way that, that maybe some of us have needed at one time or another. Maybe we have let Jesus down. Maybe we've made promises to him that we couldn't keep or didn't keep. And the fact is that you're at a point where you say, I need a restart too. And then we, we jump forward a little bit in this. And Jesus had already appeared to the disciples a few times. And one of the last times he appeared to them, he told them, he told them, go ahead and I'll meet you in Galilee. So we know that already what Jesus did is he forgave Peter. We knew the forgiveness was already there because he'd already met with him. That had to be a good feeling for Peter. 
But as they're waiting, it's an interesting story. It's kind of funny because if you think about it, I've never been to Israel, but Galilee's not like a small place. It's not like he said, meet me at Starbucks. He said, meet me in Galilee. So they're waiting and waiting and waiting. And I think, I think what was happening is they were being patient and they were waiting and waiting and waiting. And then eventually Peter says, hey, guys, you know what? I'm going fishing. Anybody want to go? So they go fishing. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows. (laughs) You know what's funny is in the Bible, there's different words we use for different translations. Actually, in the original Greek, this means lads or young men. It's like Jesus was calling his boys. He could have said, hey, boys. But here it's translated fellows. Have you caught any fish? No, they replied. And then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. So many fish. As you define or redefine and reset your relationship with Jesus, I want to recommend a few things. The first thing is that you obey whatever he says. Something to point out here. These were fishermen. They knew how to fish. Jesus was not a fisherman. And he was telling them how to fish. And they obeyed. I don't know if you've ever had this experience. A few years ago, I, I got the privilege to drive the rangers down to their, their, their what, do you, what is the seminar? It was down in Arkansas. And of course, so frustrating. I was going to pick up the, a group of boys to go take them on a, a little thing. I was driving the bus, and I was, they were t- having me drive all over the place. You know, we took some kids scuba diving, some kids here, there. So I drove up right in front of the church. This was on Saturday, the last day. We're supposed to be leaving later that afternoon. And the bus dies right there. I mean, it died right in the way. And, and even somebody from the church came and said, you're going to move this, right? Because we have church tomorrow. I'm like, it's stuck. It died. And, and the end, there was something serious with the motor. It turned out to be something serious. We had to take parts down the next you know, weekend or that weekend and fix it. And it wasn't just a little simple thing. But do you know how many men came up and said, got gas in it? <laughs> I, you know, the first couple guys, I'm like, yeah, 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 we do. After that, I would say, right as they started walking up, I said, it has gas. I checked the oil. I've checked. (laughs) I mean, you know, right? I wanted to say, I'm not a moron. It's not like I've never done something stupid with a car, just not this time. The fishermen in the boat, they didn't even know it was Jesus yet. They could have said, mind your own business. We had a long night. We didn't catch any fish. But even in this process, they're restarting and defining this relationship. And there's going to be times where God is going to require you to do some things and ask you to do some things. And it might go against what you think is best. But that's when you need to understand this relationship and obey what he says. I love this next part here. Oops, too fast. Then the disciple Jesus loved, who's actually the author of this book, John. I love how he does that for himself. I'm the one, I'm the BFF. He says, he says to Peter, it's the Lord. It's like he dawned on him. He recognized him. It's the Lord. And look what happens. Peter, Peter, he he heard that it was the Lord and he puts on his tunic because he had stripped for work and he jumped. A lot of times when I was a kid, I remember thinking, what were they wearing? 
All it means is he took it as his outer garment off to work. And he puts it back on to jump in the water. I don't understand that either. But he does. And he heads to shore. The Bible tells us about 100 yards. He heads to shore. You know what I love about this? Swim to Jesus. Swim to Jesus. That's the relationship. When you have something going on, what are you going to do? You need to swim to Jesus. You need to do that. Because there's times where you want to fight and do it on your own and be your own person and make up everything for yourself. But the fact is, one of the best things I love about Peter is that's who he was. He jumped out of the boat and walked on the water. And when he saw that it was Jesus on the shore, the one who had forgiven him, he swam to him. I would have left the tunic in the the boat, but he swam to him. And then this part adds a lot more meaning even. The others stayed with the boat. Why don't they all jump in the water and swim to Jesus? Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you have swam to Jesus? They all stayed in the boat and and they pulled the loaded net to the shore for they were only about 100 yards from the shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Here's what you need to do. You need to swim to Jesus, even if you swim alone. You might be the only one, but you need to swim to Jesus because the hope you have is there with him. The answers you want are there with him. The help you need is there with him. Swim to him, even, even, even if you swim alone. The rest of this story is really cool, too. It says that they drug the net to the shore and it didn't break, which must have been amazing. Because I don't know if you've noticed, there's a lot of times where fishermen are sitting on the shore and it looks like they're messing with their nets. What they're doing is mending them. They're tying them back together where the fish broke through. And the Bible specifically says there was 153 Large fish. You ever wonder why it says 153? People, it's really funny because theologians for the year, over the centuries have tried to figure out if that was a secret number or meant something or kind of weird, you know, kind of like that, that uh, Da Vinci Code kind of nonsense. You know why it says 153? Because there was 153. They were just reporting what happened. And some people speculate, now this is a funny speculation, but it might be true. John was the youngest disciple, so some people think that the reason he knows the exact number is he was the youngest, and they said, you're the youngest, count the fish. Maybe. Don't know. But here's what happens. They get there, and the Bible specifically says, Jesus served them breakfast. You want to define the relationship? He's the servant. He serves us. He served them breakfast. Can you imagine? He already shook up their life when he, when he washed their feet the night that he was betrayed. That blew him away. And then he said, if you want to be great in my kingdom, then you have to be the servant of all. And then he continues that when they see him alive and he serves them breakfast. He cooked breakfast and served them. I love that. And then after breakfast, Jesus asks Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? It's funny that he would do that. Because they had all this, just like, just like you do with your friends, they had all this inner turmoil about, hey, I'm closer to Jesus. Oh, I am. And then they had talked about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom and who gets to sit by Jesus at the throne. And Jesus kind of uses that. He had scolded them for that earlier and said, you have to be the servant. Then he turns it around and he uses it and he says, Simon, I, could, I don't know. We don't know if the other disciples were close by or maybe the fire was crackling and they couldn't hear him. But he, if you can just imagine, this is how I look at it. I think it, he had him sit by him, and Jesus puts his arm around Peter, and he says, so Peter, tell me, do you, do you love me more than these guys? You know Peter. What's he going to say? Duh. 
Yeah, I do. I'm your man. I'm your boy. And he says, you know I love you. And Jesus says, feed my lambs. And the rest of this chapter, he, he says that to him three times. And on the third time, Peter's feelings are hurt. Because it's like, Jesus, you know I love you. He says, feed my lambs. I want to just emphasize two more things. In this relationship, it's a relationship of love. He loves us, died for us, gave his life for us. And that's what he wants back from you. He wants that kind of commitment back. A love that's like that, that's reciprocal. Not not unbalanced, not unrequited. He wants that love back from you. And when you love him like that, he gives you a job to do. He tells you to serve. He tells you to serve him. He said, if you love me, feed my lambs. I've got work for you to do, Peter. I'm not done with you. I'm not done with you. Yes, you failed, and we're past that now. I forgave you. I love you. We're good. Now serve. Now you go and serve. That's what we're supposed to do. You want to define and redefine and reset your relationship with him? Then you need to get the same kind of relationship that Peter had. I was going to say, anybody here made a mistake? I'm like, duh. We've all made mistakes. Anybody here ever felt like you were not worthy of him? Yes, me too. Uh, probably often. But the fact is, he resets that relationship all the time with us. And he constantly wants to define it with you. And he constantly wants to tell you, I love you. Now let's get to work. Let's go do some things and change things for the kingdom. So let me have everybody in the house just shut your eyes for a second. And Dave, if you could put some music on for us, I mean, that would be awesome. I'm just going to walk us each through this. Because for every one of us, it means something different. For some people in here, you feel like you've failed him and there's no coming back. And for you, you haven't had that moment where he said, and go tell Mary, go tell John yet. But he's doing that to you today. And if you are here today and you feel like you need a restart of your entire relationship, he wants to do that for you. Anybody feel like they need that? Could be the first time, could be the second or 50th time. Anybody here need, feel like you need a reset? Just quietly, eyes closed, just raise your hand, just between you and God. I see those hands. Appreciate your honesty. My second question is this. I'm wondering how many of you are good with the whole love part, but, but you're not sure what to do. What, what serve does it mean for you? Just let me, let me just lay this out for you. He gives us all different things to do, and he matches it with what you can do. Not everybody's going to be, you know, a master musician like our pastor Nick. I don't know if you noticed he's playing bass today. But God uses you where he uses you. And we all have a, a place to fit and something we can do. It may, it may be a volunteer in this church. I mean, we have certainly needs in every one of our ministries, children and youth and, and everywhere. But it may be God is going to use you to reach somebody who you work with or somebody who you go to school with or somebody who you're related to who needs a restart in their relationship. And you can share what's happened to you could be either one of those things so here's what i'm going to do i'm going to pray for us and then then i want to just dismiss us today so let me have you all stand and i'm just going to pray over us father i pray first for those who raise their hand that feel like they need a restart with you god i pray that if if 
if they or, or we are in need of forgiveness, that you would forgive. And that, God, that you would change everything and remake us from the inside out. God, I pray for those who, who aren't even sure where to serve, but that you would set them up with something great for them to do in your kingdom. Something that fits their personality exactly. Something that makes a difference in their world, whether that's somebody at school that they need to talk to or somebody at work or somebody in their family or, or volunteer here at the church or for some other ministry or organization. God, I pray that you would just speak to us and drop that nugget into our mind about what you want us to do. I pray that you would even do that. Maybe even tonight as we're falling off to sleep, that you would speak to us, that you would do that in the name of Jesus. God, I bless these people as they head out of here today, that they would go out into this world with a completely redefined relationship with you. That would change everything. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you today. Just to clarify, because of the rain, we couldn't go do the golf deal that we had planned, you know, with the golf place just down the street here. So instead, what we're going to do is here at the church from 2 to 4, you're all welcome to come. We've, we've made arrangements. We're going to run and get some. We've got some inflatables we're going to put in the gym for kids. And there are some adults could do too. And then we're going to have the coffee shop open for you guys. And we're going to have a, like a family-friendly friendly movie in the crown room. So if you're tired of feeling confined at your house in the rain for the last, how long has it been? Like a week? It's been raining, then you're welcome to come and enjoy some time here at the church with us. So God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful day.